Welcome to the Dream Big, My Friend podcast, where you will find all the inspiration you need to begin living a more intentional life today. Because no matter where you are right now in life, it's never too late to dream big, my friend. And now here's your host, Francis Vitakovic. Welcome to this episode, my friend, which is all about dysfunctional families, how to cope if you think your family falls into this category, and how they are probably way more normal than you think, that is, your family members. So let's begin this conversation about dysfunctional families. Now, it's traditionally the sort of thing that we only speak about in whispers, like we sort of like don't want anyone to know that our family might be slightly weird or crazy or quirky or whatever you whatever words we sort of use to describe it rather than using the term dysfunctional. Now, sometimes it's hard to put your hand up and say, hey, I fall into this category and I definitely wouldn't have felt comfortable doing this when I was younger. But over time, what I've discovered is that dysfunctional families are actually way more common than the Brady Bunch variety. And imagine how much easier life would be if you knew that you weren't alone in having a quirky family. So let's start by defining what I actually mean when I say dysfunctional family. So according to Wikipedia, a dysfunctional family is characterized by conflict, misbehavior, neglect, or abuse on the part of individual parents. So I've got to be honest and say that that sounds a little bit vague to me because if you start to think about conflict and misbehavior in families, that that is super common. It's super common. But I think you know deep down when your family dynamics have crossed over from normal to dysfunctional. Okay, so more specific characteristics that I would consider to be common to dysfunctional families include conditional love as opposed to unconditional love, poor communication or no space to express your thoughts and feelings freely, maybe a little empathy, lack of boundaries, constant comparisons, addiction and or mental issues, controlling behavior, perhaps excessive criticism, unpredictability, violence and abuse, or a lack of privacy and independence, or fear of lack of safety, and inability to thrive, and unrealistic expectations. But to be honest, they're just a few of the characteristics that might appear in a dysfunctional family, okay? There's no real perfect picture of what a dysfunctional family looks like. They can be rich or poor, living in mansions or in a, you know, a mud hut. The kids could go to a private school or a public school. They could be young or old. There's just no one proper definition. But needless to say, there are various degrees of dysfunctionality in families. So dysfunctional families can include anything from domestic violence, mental illness, unemployment, drug and alcohol, sexual, verbal or physical abuse, to different forms of unhealthy toxicity, including parents play mind games or manipulate their children or show favoritism, anything that wreaks havoc on the relationships within a family. Now for the good news, okay, great news. If you grow up in a dysfunctional family, you are not necessarily destined to recreate those same mistakes with your own children and partner. A dysfunctional family is not a life sentence. You can learn new and improved ways to parent. You can make peace with your past. You can still love deeply and nurture healthy relationships in the future if you are motivated enough to do so. So the cool thing that I discovered when I was growing up was that TV shows stepped away from appearing picture perfect like the Brady Bunch, which is what I used to watch as a kid and leave it to Beaver and all those ones like that made me think, oh my gosh, you know, my family is so crazy in comparison. Like my parents were nothing like Carol and Mike Brady. We all wanted them to be like Carol and Mike Brady, but they weren't. But then it was when I was a teenager, the show started to come. It was like married with children into the scene. Everyone loves Raymond, Roseanne, the Osbournes. All of those shows that made us go, oh, that looks more familiar. Okay, maybe, maybe my family is actually sort of normal. 
In fact, for a really long time, I used to think that my extended family with all its loudness and drama was extremely dysfunctional until I went back to the island village where my parents were born. And over there, all the houses are pretty much stuck together. There's no fence to separate one house from the other. And that was when I discovered that everyone squabbles sometimes. I actually didn't know that before. Now, I don't want to downplay anyone who's ever experienced significant abuse in their childhood. That is not what this podcast is addressing. But I do still want to give you some hope so that you know that your past still does not define you. Now, it's sort of helpful to know that what people consider to be a dysfunctional family, like if that's what you think that you were a part of, it can vary according to different degrees. You know, you might have like mild dysfunctionality. You can have severe dysfunctionality. And some of those dysfunctional behaviors might have been passed down and repeated throughout the different generations before you. But the difference is you are now aware, okay? You are aware that a behavior maybe wasn't appropriate and you have the power to make changes and take action to do something different. But there's a chance that your parents didn't have that same awareness, okay? Because they might have experienced that same behavior when they were young, one that you might have gone through. Maybe they didn't think it was terrible. Like maybe they thought it was just normal, so they did it themselves. And maybe their parents learned the same behavior from their parents before. So the behavior is like a repeated cycle. Now, this is never to excuse bad behavior. Absolutely not. And it doesn't make it okay. But it's just helpful to recognize that some behaviors have been learnt in the past and possibly just to show some compassion because generally, sometimes people don't know better. And when they don't know better, they can't do better. Awareness is the first step to breaking down that cycle because, like I said, if you know better, you can do better. You're probably wondering, well, how does one cope with or survive growing up or living with a dysfunctional family? Well, I'm going to offer you 10 tips on this episode. And number one is know that you are not alone. As I've already mentioned, dysfunctional families are just as common, if not more so than functional families. Now, there's this running joke that dysfunctional families are any family with more than one person in it. So no matter what you have gone through, chances are someone else in this world has experienced the same. This includes the really crappy stuff as well, like abuse and violence. You are definitely not alone. And tip number two is practicing self-care. You still need to take care of yourself emotionally, physically, and mentally, especially if the other important people in your life still tend to drain you. Now, of course, the fact that they drain you is just a thought, but even still, you know when you need extra loving. You know when you need a break and when you need to step away. You know when you need to rest or read a book or go and see a movie. Not because you're avoiding anything, but just simply because you need some me or alone time. Tip number three is keep your expectations about your family realistic. So at some point, I needed to accept that my family was never going to be the Brady Bunch, just like we all needed to accept that. We're not some mythical TV family. And this is where a lot of our pain comes from, thinking thoughts that our family should actually be different. Like if they just behave more like so-and-so, everything would be fine. But I promise you, it's not the way it works. We didn't get so-and-so as our parent. We got who we got. And when we expect them to be different, okay, different from who they are, we sort of set ourselves up for disappointment. Now, I'm sure my kids sometimes do it now with me. And I know I did it with my parents when I was growing up. I sort of expect them to be different. And I thought if they were different, they would be better. And the weird thing is, as we get older, we sort of carry the same expectations into our adult years. Like we sometimes still expect our parents to be different. Like we wish that they would do more babysitting or we wish that they would help us in different ways. We have these expectations and when they're not met, surprise, surprise, we get upset. Sometimes they don't actually even need to do anything to annoy you or upset you. You just think a thought and it frustrates you that they aren't meeting those expectations. 
I'm actually going to use an example that it just seems so silly now, but back when I used to think it, it used to be such a frustrating thing. But anyway, when my kids were younger, we used to go to Taronga Zoo all the time, like every week. It was so much fun. It's our local zoo here in Sydney. And I remember one time randomly bumping into my friend's mum who said that she takes her kids to, her grandkids, sorry, to Taronga Zoo every week as well. And I remember going, I wonder why my mum doesn't do that. And I just remember, so my mum's actually done nothing wrong, but I was suddenly annoyed with my mum because I thought a thought in my head. I think I was thinking something like, hang on, why doesn't my mum take my kids to the zoo so I can have a break? Like she must not be helpful if she isn't offering to do that as well. So can you see that the relationship itself was totally fine until I had that thought and expectation in my head? And that's where a lot of our relationships sort of fall apart when we get to adulthood, when you overanalyze or you have these thoughts in your head that don't even make sense. You've come up with these ideas or expectations that aren't realistic. And these unrealistic, totally random thoughts actually hurt you. So when I say be realistic, I'm actually referring to a psychological term for realistic thinking. So this is when you identify that you've had some negative thought. Okay, so me and my mom, it's like she should take my kids to Taronga Zoo, totally random. But you then work to replace that thought that's causing you grief with a more realistic, balanced thought, a thought that is sort of more fair and makes sense of the situation. So what this means is that you see things as they truly are, both the negative and the positive without judgment. Realistic thought in the case of my example would be something like, well, my mum can actually be a totally great grandma without having to take my kids to Chongazi ever. Okay, that's just a also a completely valid thought. Another realistic thought could be something like, well, we're sometimes going to disagree with things and we can still love each other, or your family will have different opinions of you from you, because guess what? That is really true. Or sometimes people will say things that they don't necessarily mean. And the only way that you know that is because you sometimes say things that you don't necessarily mean and so on. It's all about having realistic expectations about your family, keeping it real, understanding that we're human, understanding that not everything's always going to go your way and taking into account that humans have both negative and positive qualities about themselves. Now for tip number four, seek therapy if you feel like you would benefit from it. So if you think that you might be carrying issues from your earlier life forward into your current relationships, please see a therapist if you think you would benefit from one. It is absolutely fine to seek help when you think you need it. In fact, I think it's a sign of great strength when you admit that you just need some help and when you seek to heal and accept the past in whichever way you need to do it. And now for tip number five, set boundaries or minimize contact with toxic family members if required. So it's a simple equation. If family members insist on treating you terribly, like they might belittle you or erode your self-esteem or just generally make you feel like total crap, you have a choice to minimize your contact with them. That does not mean that you have to cut them out of your life totally, unless you want to, that's a choice. But if in your heart you know that the toxic behavior is getting to you, It's just time to set some boundaries. So maybe you choose to keep your visits short rather than long. Maybe you choose to see them monthly rather than every week. You might even opt instead just to make a quick call to say hi rather than taking out the whole day for an encounter that's only going to leave you feeling drained and upset. You get to decide to do what's best for you. You're the grown-up now. You get to decide. I, in fact, encourage you to set boundaries with anyone that causes you grief or makes you feel bad about your life. And it's not just family members I'm talking about here. Now, I talk a lot about how your thoughts ultimately impact your feelings and how no one else can make you feel a particular way because it's your thoughts about a person that impact your feelings. But I also understand that there are situations where the neutral circumstance can be considered more challenging to some people. 
So for example, if I hang out with friends and family that are encouraging and supportive, it is so much easier to want to spend the day with them or spend more time with them as opposed to spending time with people who always seem to say words that are uncritical or come across as really unsupportive. Just do what works best for you. You get to decide what those boundaries are and it doesn't matter if another member of your family has a different idea of what boundaries are appropriate. They get to decide what works best for them. You just decide what works best for you. Now, Brené Brown says, boundaries are simply a list of what is okay and what's not okay for you. If you don't like someone speaking to you in a rude manner, you can walk away. Even if another person doesn't care, okay, if they're saying, oh, why are you bothered about it? They don't need to be bothered about it, but you're allowed to feel whatever feelings that you feel and you're allowed to do whatever you want. Let's just say that you don't like people drinking excessive amounts of alcohol around your kids. You can choose to say no. You can choose to walk away. It doesn't matter if no one else cares, but if you care, like if it matters to you, you can say no. You get to decide what makes you feel comfortable and what makes you feel not comfortable. Remember, you teach people how to treat you by what you allow, what you stop, and what you reinforce. And now for tip number six, allow yourself to feel hurt or angry or rejected or sad or whatever emotion you feel like feeling. Now, we all know that it comes from your thoughts, but that's okay. It is so much healthier just to allow those emotions to come to the surface rather than burying them deep or thinking that you have to hold it in. You can let it out. You can cry it out. You can write a letter expressing your feelings, even if you never send it, even if you choose to burn it. Do whatever you need to do just to allow those emotions to come to the surface, okay? It was your experience. You're allowed to grieve that loss if you want to. Just feel it, okay? Allow it to come. I always recommend feeling your feelings, and then you can work out what you need to do to take yourself to a different place or what thoughts you need to embrace to move forward. Because it is what it is. You can't change the past, and the things that you set free are going to liberate you, and the things that you keep locked inside will potentially destroy you because it's going to eat away at you. You need to let it out, release those feelings. And at some point, you will need to stop dwelling in those negative emotions. You are an adult now, and you have a choice to make. Do you want future happiness or future misery? You have the option. You always have options. You can go and get therapy if you need to have therapy. You can journal it out. You can do mind work. You can do whatever you need to do to move forward and leave the past behind. Which brings us to number seven, be honest. Okay, we're not little kids anymore. We can be honest and respectfully call out bad behavior when we see it happening. Okay, so when you were younger, you might not have felt brave enough to like say, hang on, that's not appropriate. But don't continue to watch it happen and say nothing as an adult. We can say, you know what, that's really rude or that's not nice. Just say whatever you need to say rather than holding it in. We can call out people now for bad behavior. In fact, I encourage you to do so. And number eight is letting things go. At some point, we need to accept that the past is the past and start looking forward. It's like the whole theory behind life coaching. I was trained as a life coach more than 20 years ago. And back then we said, where are you now? Where do you want to go? And how can we get you there? Okay. The past helped you become the fabulous person that you are. All those struggles and challenges gave you strength, but what do you need to do to get to where you want to go now? Which brings us to tip number nine, surround yourself with people who make you feel great. The truth is, even if you didn't get to pick your family as a kid, you do get to pick your social circle as an adult. So surround yourself with people who you love, like friends who nurture you, love you, lift you higher in life. You get to decide who you spend your time with. Okay, it really is a choice. You don't have to spend time with anyone that makes you feel terrible. And our final tip is number 10. Do not repeat the same mistakes. If something made you feel really crappy as a kid or as an adult, 
Why would you carry the same behavior into the new family that you create? You have a choice. You now know better. So let's just say your parents used to criticize you or judge you or compare you to your siblings. Do you remember how that made you feel? Do you remember promising that you would never, ever be the same way? Well, try to hold on to that promise. Try to remember how terrible, how it wasn't actually a really good teaching or parenting tool. You now get to make different choices with your kids. And why would you consciously allow your kids to suffer in the same way as you did? You can refuse to inherit dysfunction. Just make that choice. Just decide. It stops right here and right now. Just because your family might have had a little bit of dysfunctional behaviors, it doesn't mean that you were destined for a dysfunctional life yourself. You're not. 100%. I can make a promise to you that it ends here if you want it to end here. And make a promise to yourself to behave in a healthier and happier way with your own partner, children, and friends from this point forward. The pain can stop here. It really is a simple decision. And in the end, you can't change the people around you. Like you can't physically make anyone change, but you can change the people that you choose to spend time with. And you can change the way that you think about people. You're allowed to like terminate any relationship with toxic family members. You're allowed to walk away from people who hurt you. You're allowed to do whatever you want to do, but you can also choose to think differently about people. You can choose to show compassion. You could just choose to understand that that could just be their quirky way or they don't know better because if they knew better, they would do differently. Now, one of my favorite parenting philosophies is simply to raise children that don't have to recover from their childhood. Now, here's something really important to note. I can think that I'm doing a really fantastic job as a parent, but I could have kids that grow up and think, do you know what? She wasn't the best mom. She did these things wrong. But what really matters in the end is that you are true to yourself and that you feel comfortable with the way that you are doing things. Just think about how you want to show up as a parent, like showing up with love and compassion will probably make you feel like you are on the right path, no matter what your kids think about you. And before we end this discussion, I do want to say that you can choose to think whatever you want about your own family, just like your kids can think whatever they want about you. You can just decide that your family has been a gift to you, no matter what you have gone through in your past. Now, remember the thought model that I always talk about where your thoughts impact your feelings, which impact your actions and your result. Well, the cool thing is, is that you can actually use it to work it backwards. It's like reverse engineering the process. So if you want to achieve any results in your life, you can ask yourself, well, what action do I need to take to get to that result? What feeling do I need to feel to take that action? And finally, what thoughts do I need to be thinking to feel those feelings? So I actually think it would sort of be fun to use this model and work backwards in order to get you to a place where you feel really confident and happy about your dysfunctional family, if that is something that you grew up in. So the first question that I have to ask you is, how do you want to feel about your family right now? Like, honestly, how do you want to feel about them? After all is said and done, you went through whatever you went through. How do you really want to feel right now? Okay, it's not how do you feel, but how do you want to feel? Like, do you want to walk around feeling really angry and bitter and resentful for the rest of your life? Do you want to hate your family? Do you want to forgive them? How do you want to feel? So for me, I want to feel like my childhood and family has made me stronger and more compassionate in life. I want to love my family and appreciate everyone for their individuality and quirks, even if we are all far from perfect. So for me, I've chosen to think that my struggles have made me stronger and I've chosen to think my family is the best learning experience for me. They're just two thoughts I've chosen to think. It's like I've almost graduated with a Harvard degree in family relationships with all the things that I've gone through in my life. Almost lessons and lectures and hands-on practice tutorials all those things that I've attended in the real world over the years okay it's taught me a lot and I love those two thoughts that I've chosen 
My struggles have made me stronger and my family is my best learning experience. I love these thoughts because they require me not to pass judgment onto others. They also don't require my parents to be any different from who they are. There's just so much acceptance in those thoughts. And when I think those thoughts, I actually feel really blessed and appreciative of everything that I've gone through, even the challenges. These thoughts that I've chosen to think support me on my journey and they serve me well because they allow me to show up in a more understanding way. Now you have this option too. You can choose to think whatever you want about your family. Even if you think that they're slightly crazy or dysfunctional, you can think that they are the greatest gift to you. And I have to say that rather than calling my family dysfunctional, which is something I used to always say when we were back at uni, when they used to love to stick labels on everything back then, I now just say that we're all slightly quirky. We do things our own way, but I love and appreciate the fact that the way, and it sort of reminds me of that Kurt Cobain quote. He said, they laugh at me because I'm different and I laugh at them because they're all the same. And that sort of reminds me of my family because we are definitely unique and we are never boring. Like just last night, it was my sister's birthday. We spent all night in my parents' billiard room having these snooker competitions and music was blaring. Some of them were on the bar top. It was hilarious and fun and crazy and what some people would consider to not be totally normal. But do you know what? I love not being totally normal. It's like the coolest thing in the world. Anyway, I hope that you sincerely come to love and appreciate your family, whether they are a little bit dysfunctional or a lot dysfunctional, and just to see the gift in that family that raised you well. Because I know that no matter what you've gone through, you are strong and resilient and capable of living this amazing life. And all your challenges have just made you stronger. Families often really do love each other, even if everyone has their own way of showing it. And just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. So as always, thank you so much for listening. You know I love and appreciate you all. And I cannot wait to catch you in the next episode. Until next time, dream big, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you really loved it, you can show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. For more inspiration, head over to dreambigmyfriend.com, where you will find even more content for all the dreamers out there. Until next time, dream big, my friend.